edition of Talk of the Game. We're here in Navan, a wintry Navan. Wherever you are, you're welcome to the show. Even if you're in uh, Doha or we, we've got listeners all over the world, haven't we, Fergal? I've got Fergal Lynch here with me. Um, Hello, Jimmy. How are you? Yeah, we do have listeners all um, over the world. I'm not too sure there's that many in Doha now, but uh, might be one or two waking up where. Uh, Thankfully, without hangover, seeing as they're not out buy a drink in the stadium, or or if you are going to buy a drink over there, thirteen or fourteen euros for a, a, a pint, pint of Budweiser. Well, that that's your that's your tipple of choice too, isn't it, Jimmy? But Budweiser, uh, no, I haven't had a Budweiser now in a long time, Fergal. But uh, um, look, welcome to the show, uh, folks. But, wherever but you are, alcoholic drinks are also available. We just like to point that out. In Doha, <laughs> anywhere, Jimmy. Guinness, anywhere. Guinness, well, you know, we can't be seen to be favouring Budweiser here. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Jesus, it's uh, it's it's bizarre. Um, I was in, the, I was covering the the primary schools finals yesterday, and it just popped into my head. Jeez, the World Cup is starting today. It's it's uh, it's very very strange, isn't it? It's Are you going to watch it, Fergal? Are you going to watch it? Look, at, I I understand all the um, the the uproar and and uh, people's concerns about the World Cup and. Yeah, the moral the moral thing would be to say absolutely no way can I support that. And I, and I saw something on Twitter yesterday about that gobshite Piers Morgan going on about uh, how disrespectful it was of the of BBC not to show the opening ceremony of the World Cup. And I saw somebody else going, no, but or sorry, Piers Morgan had said that they should show Qatar more respect than that. And uh, Qatar don't deserve anyone's respect in terms of their human rights. Uh, policies and the way that they they approach you know gay people and their their views on, on gay marriage and all that sort of stuff they're they're completely bang out of order and it's very questionable how they got the world cup in the first place i'm sure as well but uh it's it, it's hard to say yeah, I love I love my football and I love my soccer so it's hard to say no i'm not going to watch it uh, i did watch a little bit of ecuador and Qatar yesterday and if that's going to be the quality coming down the road it'll be quite easy to, to avoid it but uh, yeah. no I will watch it I will watch it and uh, we're getting this up and running this podcast uh, recorded before the England-Iran game which uh, is I think it's on at one o'clock today one o'clock yeah so uh, we'll try and, and get that on on, on the on the player while we're slaving away here Jimmy and yeah well there is that sulfurous whiff of corruption shall we could I say that sulfurous uh, whiff of corruption surrounding man has got away with words surrounding this uh, if you don't buy the knee chronicles for Jimmy's way with words there's something wrong with so, surrounding <laughs> this World Cup uh, Fergal and um, you know but there's no doubt about that but I, I would watch it too yeah I mean it's about the players I suppose you know it's about representing their country and um, you know I don't well I, I, look it's not going to make any difference me not watching it either no and we really. all follow the Premier League and that so you'd be interested to see how the players that are playing in the Premier League get on and you look forward to the England games and the Wales games and looking forward to them ones especially you also can't wait to see uh, Argentina and Brazil and uh, France and looking forward to seeing them I think Germany will go close as well it should mm. be it'll be an interesting competition who are you going I for did you see did you see the uh, Jerry Adams tweet I thought it was very yeah, funny he, he, he tweeted out the fixture for England against Iran today very and funny yeah the way they abbreviate the country so Jerry Adams retweeted it out it was a uh, England ENG versus Iran IRA so ENG <laughs> versus IRA uh, it certainly made Jerry Adams day and he retweeted it I thought it was, it's, uh, it's definitely got a few laughs but uh, 
that's a uh, that's Very funny, Jerry's yeah. wit. Jerry Adams seemingly has a good wit and mm. uh, a funny side to him, as well as his uh, maybe not so funny side. Yeah, well, that's a funny that's a funny story, all right. Um, uh, but uh, you know, last night we shouldn't forget the world all the hype about the World Cup that there was three two mead well three mead guys in the Irish squad last night. Yeah. First time ever that what's happened. To, first time ever that two of them played. Um, Jimmy McGrath played, and so did ba- uh, Evan Ferguson. He came on as a late substitute yeah Such so Republic of Ireland playing uh, their, their last game of the season of, mm. or of the year against Malta um, yeah great to see Evan Ferguson coming on and getting 15 or 20 minutes was unlucky had a, had a, a snapshot mm. controlled the ball well and, and swung his boot at a shot that one of the Maltese fellas uh, I think it was a fellow named Shaw got got a good block on it um, I think it's Luke Shaw no it wasn't Luke Shaw Luke Shaw plays for no I know that but I think anyway uh, and so Evan Ferris went close but Jamie McGrath was excellent you know Jamie has had a a turbulent Mm. couple of years he did so well with St Mirren that he earned earned a move to Wigan didn't work out from from at Wigan and at least he had the balls to say you know what I'm going back to where I'm best and went back up to Scotland with Dundee Dundee United Dundee United and uh, has has settled in again in Dundee United and was man the match for Ireland last night now I'd say you might have got a game last night Jimmy and and went close to man the match it was piss poor to be perfectly (laughs) honest it was terrible mediocre to say the least I didn't see it now myself but um, I I heard one of the pundits I'm not sure who it was was a Kenny Cunningham afterwards saying oh you know it wasn't a bad performance and we're looking forward to it uh, France now in the first round of the qualifiers is the next game uh, in March and the, uh, for the Euro qualifiers and he was saying about how the counter-attack style might suit Ireland and so you know you can see where the style of play that Ireland are looking to implement would suit them against France oh Jesus Christ they're yeah. playing against France and Benzema up front it's going to be a completely different kettle of fish but and yeah, did, James McGrath did well. There's, he did there's play amazing well. optimism surrounding this team. It's because um, Stephen Kenny came on and he he played a, a, an adventurous kind of football and brought on these young players and Eamon Dunphy and these guys were all getting behind him saying this is oh, this is the man this is the guy for. I, I don't think he is, but I mean that is you know. Um, yeah, just look. Just you can't at keep us. interviewing or inter- introducing new players all the time. Somewhere along the line, you've got to sort of have a have yeah, a and steady. you can't keep coming out and saying, "Oh, it was, you know, it was a good performance and it was good performance and this was good and that was good." An awful lot of passing the ball sideways and pop, popping it back and then passing it out to the other wing and very little invention like. Beat Malta one 0 last night, but it was a terrible mistake at the back by the Maltese defenders and mm. in, in playing yeah, a short a, back pass a, to the keeper and Callum Robinson nicked in. But uh, it was terrible. But look at this is a Mead podcast, Mead sports podcast. And, yeah. Uh, well, great, well, delighted for Evan Ferguson. Delighted for Jamie McGrath, as you said, man the match. Very disappointed Darlene and didn't get any minutes over the two out, games. Yeah, he's got a three. You know, yeah, I know two he's games. got. I know he, he's, he's got tri- strong centre halves in front of him. Mm. but he hasn't put a foot wrong for Blackburn or Middlesbrough now and he was brilliant for Ireland in the last game he played against Ukraine uh, remember Nathan Collins' yeah, yeah. goal he, he was brilliant that night but uh, as you say Fergal look this is a meet well, we, we want to recognise I suppose the fact that three meet guys and uh, Daryl Lennon might get, well, I'm sure he'll get it he's certainly a patient man <laughs> he's, yeah, he's sticking yeah. with it but he's, he's um, I'm sure he'll get his chance yet um, he's struggling with Middlesbrough they're improving a little bit but we uh, want, also want to talk about something that really got you uh, yeah. riled up uh, Fergal over the weekend yeah, I, I, the, the I ladies all stars I actually had two tweets out over the weekend one of them um, 
I read an article on one of the days was just about um, oh, pe- people complaining. I think it was an interview. With, I'm not sure if it was Tomas O'Shea or somebody that the interview was with, but it was like, uh, oh, if we don't do this, if we don't move the underage football back to under 18, we're going to lose all our players to rugby and soccer. And that really got me going because, you know, so the tweet I put up was constantly hearing arguments that if the GA don't do this, that or the other, then we lose young players to soccer and rugby. Why exactly is that? You never hear from the soccer rugby clubs talking about, oh, if we don't do this, we're going to lose players to the GA. The GA is a long time knocking around now and there's massive numbers. Now, I got a huge response to that tweet that was about uh, a lot of people saying that, you know, that, yeah, maybe the underage needs to go back to under 18. And uh, there a lot of people complaining as well, or not complaining, but just maybe pointing out the reality that there's an awful lot of things out there for kids to, to try to get involved in, in terms of soccer, rugby, athletics, equestrian sports, as well as singing, dancing, gymnastics. There's loads of stuff. And generally all these things happen on Saturdays and Sundays because well, that's their weekend at school days during the week. For the younger kids so something has to give them and it's all about which sporting organization is going to provide the more most attractive package to keep the kids involved and uh, the ga saying that oh the fact that minor has gone to under 17 is going to leave lead to an awful lot of players leaving the gaa well, do something about it stop coming up with problems come up with solutions all these people are just coming up with problems. Oh, here's the problem, here's the problem. Nobody's coming up with a solution. To keep the young players. Just to keep players. Yeah, I understand there's a huge gap between under 17 and adult football and that when a, when a young man is finished playing or a young girl is finished playing football at minor level, the next step up is adult. And that there's a huge gap in physicality between a 17-year-old going in to play adult football against 22, 23-year-olds. So there does need to be some sort of a solution there in between. Mm. But the draw on, on the talents of, of young players and expecting them to step up to adult football straight away, and some will make it, some won't. The vast majority won't, won't be ready for adult football at 17, 18. So we have to find solutions for that. And I'm, again, highlighting the problem and not coming up with a solution like uh, like I'm saying should be made but uh, but there's it, no mass exodus of young players no, from, the, from that from the GA there isn't the GA, no, yeah. there, there will always yeah. be a fall off from every sport a natural fall off where if a kid just says oh, I'm no interest in doing that anymore or I'd rather play soccer or I'd rather do athletics or a kid leaving under underage soccer and not going on to the club's adult team because well I'd rather apply myself at GA I'd rather play hurling I'd rather do horse riding yeah, well, in fact, soccer seems to be in a bit of a crisis locally. And locally, I would, junior level, I would say, because some clubs, are, you know, have been struggling to get numbers. I know that. Yeah. And um, this is a problem, all right, you know. So certainly there's no problem in the major problem in the GA. Have you heard about coaches or any of that complaining about uh, well, no. lack of numbers? or? No, but you do very clearly see that uh, when when young fellas give up or give up when they're when they're finished minor they do they don't see a pathway into adult football unless they're exceptionally good like I've been involved with uh, the third team and four teams in trim second third and four teams in trim and the amount of young players okay the, you have your talented minor players who have come through 
trim and into the first team and into the second team and then guys who are committed and want to play football playing games uh, with the third team and the fourth team but there's a huge amount of players from minor teams over the last five years that have just stopped that don't play GA anymore well, there is, but that, that, therefore, there is a there is a there a, is yeah a, yeah yeah an exodus. There is, but is that is that because like nobody has told them don't come up? They just stop coming. It's not because football isn't there for them. Like Trim GA, and I'm only using that as an example because I'm involved. Trim GA had four adult football teams last year, so there was plenty of football there for anybody who needed or who wanted to play football. We had a four team. Last year, we went on Saturday morning or Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock in the pissings of rain up to play football in, in Drum Conrad. And, you did, know... Did you have the numbers? Yeah, we had the numbers. Yeah, yeah. So there is football. But those numbers weren't... There wasn't too many of them from minor teams over the last three or four years. There were probably older guys like myself and yourself might have got game. I know myself and Mark Gilson who are we're on the sideline for the game we're kind of wondering Jesus do we have to get our boots here okay we had numbers we had 18 mm. but a couple of lads got injured and we're thinking Jesus do we have to well, now, the boots tr- tr- here Trim is a big town with a big population yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. but uh, yeah. you know up, up, in, uh, up in clubs in North Mead particularly they seem to be suffering from number for numbers as well and there's a crisis something of a crisis up there they are struggling for numbers but they're feeling you know you're talking about five years out of my so if you finished playing minor five years ago you're only 22 now and and there's the amount of 22 23 year old fellas that played minor football played football the whole way up through the grades and now are reaching 22 23 and they're not playing football when they should be at their prime because of that they finished at under 17 or under 18 level and they thought oh well i'm not going to play third team or fourth team football if I can't get onto the first team then I may forget about it but isn't that enhancing this argument that uh, there is a gap there that, that needs to be filled But you know this argument that somebody made over the weekend that, yeah. that um, annoyed you really you know that got yeah, you but it, it, the, I understand the argument and I agree with the argument what annoyed me was we're going to lose our players to, to soccer and rugby mm. they're not the GA's players there's no, did you no, know? Doesn't you know have the point a, I know, made, I know yeah. what he's trying to say, but but there is this thing of oh, we can't lose our play- we can't lose our players to soccer and rugby. Uh, young fellas should be playing as much as they can, whether it's GA soccer, rugby, mm. snooker, uh, tennis, golf. Young lads should be and girls should be out doing as many sporting activities as they can and find their niche once they hit seventeen. If they hit seventeen and never play GA again, because either they were no good at it or they didn't like it or preferred tennis preferred golf preferred horse racing mm. let them be it but let young fellas do and young girls do as much as they possibly can yeah well you can see his argument there too Fergal but it's certainly an issue uh, yeah. you know and, ah, look, uh, it's only my point yeah. of view and, and no well there is not. concerns around that for, been, been for some time and but the but other do you go back to under 18 then as minor as that's the thing and then the problem why did they want to get out of under yeah, 18 I, in the first place because yeah. you ended up playing inter-county football or clubs were trying to play their minor competitions with young fellas who were doing their leading cert so you ended up having lad, the, the All-Ireland Minor Championship or the Leinster or the Provincial Minor Championship had to stop in May and June because young fellas were playing or sorry were doing their leading cert but is that such a terrible thing to stop it for the leaving cert and then resume well, it again? you just started and then stop it. I, yeah. I don't know. So that's yeah. why basically they I went back. Wore, I thought it worked that was quite well. It was part of the reason they went back to under 17 was then, okay, well, the majority of the players will be 
fifth years or transition year students and that you know there shouldn't be any need to stop it uh, for the for the leaving cert but I don't know look at again we're coming up with, I'm coming up with problems yeah. and no uh, solutions another thing that got uh, yourself and other GAA uh, from what I certainly gather from people saying it to me uh, um, got them really agitated over the weekend was the ladies all stars yeah you know the, wow you know the fact Vicky that, Wall th- th- that really um, really really uh, got my blood Orla boiling Lally. Yeah. Really got my blood going on from a number of fronts. I was sitting yeah. on Saturday night and uh, I was waiting um, for the All Stars to be announced and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And eventually they started to roll through at close to midnight, after half 11 anyway. And uh, fair play to Mead. Uh, delighted six. to see six, six, six yeah. girls winning All Stars. And I don't think all the Ferrol and, and, and uh, Ferrari and the Hullabaloo and, and everything that's surrounding um, me GA at the minute or me, the All-Stars at the minute about who didn't get them we shouldn't take away from the fact that six of our girls did get All-Stars I know Monica McGurk fully deserved picking up her third All-Star uh, delighted to see her getting it uh, it was great as well to see Shauna Ennis the captain of the Mead team getting her All-Star Um you yes, know, we she, she, we... she got she got one in mm. there in, in mm. the full back line. Uh, Aileen Cleary also picking up one, and Emma Troy picking up one that was four, uh, and then of course Emma Duggan winning an All Star, and Stacey Grimes winning one. So those six mm. girls should be very proud, and we're very proud of them and the achievements, uh, despite the controversy that we'll talk about in a second. Nothing should take away from their honour and the super. I'm delighted, I'm, I'm particularly delighted for Shauna. You know, she's been captain fantastic for Mead for, for the last few years, following in the footsteps of Maura Shotensee, who was the captain when they won the intermediate. But Shauna's lifted the Brendan Martin Cup twice and mm. just I'm really delighted for her. I'm delighted for Stacey as well, and her yeah, first yeah. all star. You know, it's been Brilliant. superb all year. Brilliant soccer but, player, too, yeah, as we know. But unfortunately, the LGFA have just let themselves down with some of their baffling decisions and I know we can say oh well all the meat players that were nominated deserved them but if you were to pick your absolute shoe-in for All-Stars this year you would have said Vicky Wall Neva Sullivan Mary-Kate Lynch and Orla Lally well, you would have to say it but there very definitely seems to be a bias toward or against the girls that went to play into or the Aussie rules you think that is a genital uh, there? against it yeah well and and like Orla Lally and Vicky Wall didn't get All-Stars right. two, two okay. girls that went the to way. play uh, with Fremantle and North Melbourne didn't get All-Stars and Emma Troy fully deserving of winning an All-Star and in my opinion she probably should have been player of the year but she wasn't even nominated Emma went went to Australia but not to play interestingly not to play international or Aussie rules uh, she just went travelling and uh, she was honoured with an all-star so to me it's Max of oh no you know Emma Troy didn't go to play but Orla Lally and Vicky Wall did Vicky you know, this year she was she was you know she's a brilliant player We of course we all know that but this year she was she was um, latched on to by, by opposing teams who really focused in on trying to stop her and couldn't and, and, and cut, they did their best of, cut, obviously but uh, by, by putting two or three players uh, particularly this was the case against Dublin I think in the, in the league final wasn't it in the league final um, well not the league final uh, yeah, uh, the, league, the Leinster well, final the, the Leinster think, final yeah. rather yeah and and um, Kerry, you know, there was there was definitely a certainly a focus on trying to stop Vicky, 
but that might have that did curtail her it did curtail her to a certain extent she was as still there she's still you, the absolute goat of ladies football at the minute I know that's a contradiction to say she's a goat and at the minute she probably she would be up there with being one of the greatest of all time lady footballers and at the minute she is the iconic figure of ladies football she's the she's the face of what LGFA should be promoting ladies football to be all about she was absolutely made a scapegoat of using goat again using the scapegoat or was was made a scapegoat by referees who treated her and gave her zero protection during a lot of games this year and she ended up getting yellow cards in yes games. because that, she got frustrated did, did yeah, that, and annoyed well, did, yeah, you know. oh, did she get frustrated well it, it certainly seemed like that I uh, don't know she did get frustrated she got frustrated after getting the yellow cards I wouldn't say she got frustrated I think she played the game played to her strengths but referees thought oh no you're too robust and just gave her yellow cards well she's been dragged back a lot you see yeah. and, and I, I I was very annoyed myself after one of those games you know, after she, two, two or three of those games actually to see her being treated like that you know And uh, but she didn't yeah. get yellow cards for lashing out or for no, it's something, dirt, it's something or for it seemed to say the referee or, you know yeah. but that would that would suggest that she was frustrated at the fact that she was being pulled and dragged and, uh, yeah, but, she, but she didn't her, her standard of play and her quality of play didn't dip thought she was outstanding yeah. and Mead when Mead win uh, an All-Ireland with an absolute powerhouse midfield of Maura Shaughnessy and Orla Lally and Orla Lally very unlucky not to get one the previous year thought she was an absolute shoe in this year she was outstanding mm. she had a she had a poor first half in one game and that was last year actually now that I think I'm, I'm looking up to the heavens to try and remember that was actually the previous year I think it was the first half against Tipperary since then she's been unbelievable been a brilliant mm, player brilliant and player. would yeah. rival Emma Duggan Emma Troy and Vicky Wall for being Mead's most consistent mm. and outstanding player over the last 18 months she's uh, so admirable because of the way that she has as you say stepped up and improved as yeah. the team has gone on you know it's, but so but then so many of them have she's 21 she's 21 uh, she's, as well yeah, yeah. Mead me played uh, Kerry who were I remember in previewing the Kerry game and uh, the, the All-Ireland final and it was like the best defence in the country against the best attack like Kerry were being touted as you know Kerry could beat this me team they just got a phenomenal attack scoring goals for fun mm. Mary-Kate Lynch put Louise Namura-Hertig who won an All-Star and was nominated for Player of the Year Mary-Kate Lynch put her in her pocket absolute pocket I'd say if, if you emptied out Mary-Kate Lynch's pockets <laughs> at home in the house now Louise Murray could fall out of them mm. because and yet she she's ignored for an all-star it's absolute joke and I don't know who selected them I know everybody points the finger at the media and say oh well, the media selected the media selected well, does that work well, though I had no say in it had yeah, you any say in no I hadn't no. And, but um, <laughs> does that work in, in ladies football I know that works is that the way it's done I think it is the way it's done I don't know who picked it nobody knows nobody can tell us who, who picked the uh, who picked the the all-star team but uh, it's absolutely ridiculous and then you move on to Neva Sullivan who just an absolute model of consistency and as Gordon Weldon a former Mead Ladies manager sent a message on Twitter as well saying she's seen Mead transform from being at the very bottom to the ultimate team in ladies football at the minute Neva Sullivan has been there through it all and her class has shone through in the last couple of years as well capped it all off by being the player of the match in the All-Ireland yeah, Final yeah. and doesn't get an All-Star 
Yeah. Doesn't get enough. It's, 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 it's bewildering now, right? There's I, no I, doubt about it. I was yeah. talking to people that were at the uh, that were at the All Star Awards, um, and they were from from Mead, and they were absolutely fuming. And one of them said to me, "He said we knew from seven o'clock that day that Don, that Neil McLaughlin was going to win Player of the Year, even though mm-hmm. Emma Duggan, and in my mind Emma Choi, but she wasn't nominated, even though Emma Duggan was." Of the three people that were nominated, Neil McLaughlin, and Emma Duggan, and Louise Murray-Hartig, Emma Duggan was the clear best footballer in the country last year. Without a shadow of a doubt. Unbe- nobody can argue with me with that. Her, her scores, her contribution from, from scores was top-notch. Her defensive work, her ability to get back, win the dirty ball, launch counter-attacks. But she came up with the crucial scores time and again against Galway, against Donegal. Phenomenal player undoubtedly player of the match <coughs> somebody one of the people that were at the All-Stars told me from 7 o'clock in the, in the evening as the players arrived the Donegal players bounded into the room and they were singing and dancing and jumping around the place celebrating from 7 o'clock in the day and he was of the firm opinion that they knew that Neil McLaughlin was getting player of the year mm. of course we, we, do, we don't no know no coincidence of course that she's a Donegal player uh, Donegal president in a Donegal run hotel you know not, mm. not she's a super player don't get me wrong yeah. excellent player we're not inferring anything uh, not going to go down this, conspiracy but, I mean, theories it, it, here it, but there is this ab- is just uh, absolutely, the way it was it's an absolute scandal and what what the way first of all that the LGFA used to do their All Star Awards and that three players were nominated for one position, so the likes of last year where you had Amy Mack and, and Vicky Hall nominated into one position, and only one of them could win an All Star. They kind of half corrected that this year and that they named six players for each line, I think it was or maybe nine players for mm. each line of on the field, and picked your three best from that. Then kind of half corrected it. They lost all credibility with their selection this year. But one of the things the uh, LGFA will have to do is come out and sort of clarify how d- d- these teams they are, won't are do picked. That. They won't do that. Because Not to, to, give it a, to give it a credibility, because we know in, in the men's GA how the the, um, the All-Stars are picked. Yeah, but... Having said that, we, I don't know if you were at... Were you asked for the All-Star nomination for the men's... Uh, once, years uh, ago. Years once, ago, yeah, years yeah. and years ago. But, so but so the, it's, a, it's the national... We should say the national a, media... It's a, strange, it's a strange one as well, because... Um, like, you, you look back on all the years... All those times Dublin won odds or All-Irelands, and... I think without doubt it will go down in, in, in the annals of history. Stephen Cluxon is probably the greatest goalkeeper uh, in the GEA. He definitely transformed the game in, in his revolutionary kickouts and, and his style of play. Mm. How many times he was overlooked for All Stars? It was <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> yes, it was, it was actually embarrassing. Mm. Mm. Now the lads that won All Stars were great goalkeepers, and undoubtedly Cluxon should have had way more All Stars than he ended mm. up getting. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it, it was embarrassing. So the All Stars for me has lost any bit of uh, prestige that it probably should have I know when, when you list down through so like even we covered the hurling or I covered the, the game against Dainsford last week and we were going on about oh, Richie Hogan he's seven All-Irelands and four All-Stars and brought Paul Murphy's four All-Irelands and four All-Stars I don't think we can we can attach your success at the All-Stars to a name anymore and use that as a basis to recognise somebody's outstanding contribution because to me, saying Mary Kate Lynch has won All Star, to say that 
Neva Sullivan has one all-star to say Orla Lally has no all-star it's an absolute joke they embarrass themselves and I think there needs to be an, if they want to restore credibility to their all-star selection process there needs to be an investigation into how Mead won Division 2 and an All-Ireland last year and won 8 all-stars and the one Division 1 and back-to-back All-Irelands this year and get six All-Stars mm. and well, don't, don't get a player of the year. I don't think there won't be any investigation. But, I no. mean, but all we want is, is some clarity on how it, how they're picked. I mean, you know... Uh, and it's, and, and, and it, it's really clouding... Well, it shouldn't cloud, but to me, I think the six girls that won them were fully deserved, fully deserved, and we shouldn't take away from their magnificent achievement. And I'm delighted mm. for them. And I'm sure... I'm sure Vicky Wall, I'm sure Orla Lally, I'm sure Emma Duggan, who didn't get Player of the Year award, I'm sure Neva Sullivan are much happier and Mary Kay with their All-Ireland medal in their arse pocket and they don't really give a shite about All-Stars. At the end of the day, we know what we think of those girls and they've been absolute legends for Mead. They'll Mm. be heroes for the rest of their lives and... uh, Rightly so, they're all all stars in our yeah. Well, as I say, I'm particularly pleased for Sean Ennis and yeah. Stacey Grimes. You know, the w- yeah. w- winners for the first time, and absolutely, yeah. uh, you know, brilliant players down through the years, and great, great. And we should recognise them, and we do recognise their, their tremendous. Uh, all the players, all the six players, yeah, and uh, yeah. actually all the, the, the players that were nominated. Uh, you know, look at, for, and, and last year that were, was another which thing. was just about the ter- entire team. Well, it wasn't actually. Uh, there, was, there was we had fewer no, nominations was, this year. Than we had last year and last was, year's was nearly, nomina- yeah. last year's nominations were an embarrassment as well in that they nominated 14 of Mead's starting team okay and 8 of them won All-Star so 6 of them didn't Bridgetta Lynch was the one player from the starting team mm. last year that didn't get nominated like that was why would they do that that was mm. point basically saying you're all great except Bridgetta mm. and let me tell you something Mead wouldn't have won an All-Ireland this year without Bridgetta Mm. Turned that she turned games that girl. She's an outstanding footballer. Outstanding, for yeah. And and Oldcastle and I just thought they kicked her in the teeth last year by leaving her off as being the only one not nominated. Mm. Like there was obviously three or four players last year that were nominated, but were never going to win all stars. Why not just leave two or three of them off and like, rather than leaving one off and making it making her feel like shite that she was the only one deemed not good enough. And you talk to Eamon Murray and he'll tell you the value of Brigetta Lynch. Mm. And but Mead wouldn't be winning all Ireland's without having Brigetta Lynch. But we know Lynch. her as a brilliant footballer. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but that's, yeah, but that's just the, another example of, of the, the ridiculousness yeah, of, of yeah. the LGFA. I just thought it was... Well, hopefully there will be a clarification on, on some... On, on, but, uh, don't hold your breath. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep the uh, highlighting that. If not, Fergal, you know, from time to time. But... Uh, just it was lots a lot a lot of other things went on. No, I know a lot of positivity. Yes, let's go <laughs> to something positive. Well, uh, well, I was at one of those positive moments, shall we say? I was out in Carlo uh, down in Doctor Cullen Park, Netwatch Cullen Park, and uh, you know it was it was to see Castletown against Clonmore. Castletown, you know, Clonmore. Now they had Paul Garrigan. We're talking about ladies football. He, yeah. he the, the coach with the with the ladies team the last couple of years. Of course, in with uh, Colin O'Rourke now these days as part of his backroom team. And uh, you know the what they played Castletown and Castletown won that game ten points to seven. Wasn't a classic, but uh, as somebody mentioned to me from Castletown, 
the fact is that they had a tough, hard game and they won it. And this is just what they wanted because they played Lara in the first round and, and they yeah. w- w- won that in a stroll. So they needed a tough game and they certainly got the, got it in, in that uh, um, in this match in, in Dr. Cullen Park, if Fergal. Well, yeah, well, it's it great. great. You know, we, we, you know it's great to see three three me teams yeah. in provincial semi final action and Castletown. Yeah. Well, well, two of them, two out of three ain't bad. So well, three, as, three as, of them were as, in semi final action and two of two of them won. Yeah, two, so two out of three. Can Castletown go on, Jimmy, and, and win the whole thing? Do you think are they good enough? Well, yeah, why not? I mean, they, they, they probably didn't play as well as they can at the weekend. They had some. Uh, they had some. Put together some fine passing movements and so on. They play St. Abbans from Adamstown in the final. There's a Wexford, there's a double Wexford, he- yeah. header, uh, Wexford, and Chockton play a Wexford team as well in their final. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, so why not? I mean, they, they didn't play as well as they can, I think. And that in, seems to be the, the, the overwhelming uh, feeling from the three Mead clubs in. in semi-final action Dunshockland as well played well within themselves I think they had a little burst they were only three points up at half time but had a little burst uh, just after the after the half time break which put them in a in an unassailable position against Cooley Kickhams but yeah. uh, they didn't play well and it was something that Richie Keeley alluded to after the game that you know that type of performance won't be good enough in the final against the Wexford champions and he expects huge improvement to come but Dunshockman are still there you know they're, they're favourites still for the Leinster title oh, oh, yeah. and uh, it, it would be good to see them what, another me team winning the Leinster club intermediate title what about Ratoat you were at Crow Park you were there for that yeah, big match Ratoat, there, and that was, yeah I was in Crow Park on Saturday evening that was, uh, <laughs> you had six big matches on Sunday but uh, five, 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 five match, big matches on, five this match on Sunday, Sunday. In primary schools and six and one, be- over the weekend and two, on, two on Saturday yeah. uh, the, the first one being the uh, yeah Ratoat Ratoat were Disappointing. I know you look at the final score and you see it was 212 to 17 points, so you're only beaten by a point. Uh, you scored 17 points in the depths of November in awful conditions at Crow Park. The rain lashed down. And it was quite a good, entertaining game, some great scores in it. But to me, Retoat just didn't reach the heights. From a team that scored 16 goals in their five games in the Mead Senior Championship, three group games. Uh, quarter final and a semi final. They haven't scored a goal now in the semi final, in the final against Summerhill, in the first round of Leinster against Road, and they didn't manage to get a goal against uh, the Downs, who ironically were managed by Lar Wall, uh, Nafina, clubman Lar Wall, uh, who managed Gail Colin Kill, of course, the, yeah. the county final in Mead, but he's with the Downs now. Delighted for Lar because he's a, he's a lovely man and an absolute gent. Uh, and really loves the football. We spoke about him on the podcast last week, um, yeah, and we being were... at the primary schools finals. But but Ratoch just didn't reach the heights that they're capable of. They had a couple of outstanding displays. Jack Flynn uh, felt so sorry for him because he had that kick at the end. It was a difficult kick, uh, swirling wind into Hill 16 end, and um, he had that kick to equalise it, and, and it just went off to the right and way. But he was exceptional throughout for Ratoch. Mm. He was definitely. Uh, their star man along with Dohi McGowan Dohi had a super game uh, had a real flourish after after the Downs got their first goal uh, Ratoad looked in trouble but Dohi got the last four points of the half for um, for Ratoad to make it 10 points to 1-7 mm-hmm. at half time so he really kept Ratoad in the game when they looked to be struggling but you know and they came good in, in the latter stages Emma Wallace kicked a couple of points and um, uh, Brian McMahon was lively and was a threat inside 
but they just made too many mistakes and, and soft goals they conceded they'd be very disappointed with all with the goals conceded but and it's another Mead senior champion that falls at you know doesn't get to a Leinster final time. again it's 2004 since we had a, a Mead team in the Leinster senior club final did David Brady stay on do you think Dustin the rumours uh, the rumour yeah. mill the rumour mill is a great thing Um I'm hearing this morning that no, he, he's not going to stay on. He's very emotional, emo- after, very emotional yeah. after the game. Didn't talk to the local media again. I know you were left standing in, in Partouch and after the road game. Didn't talk to the local media again after the uh, the game. Crow Park went straight to off the ball and, and spoke to them. All right. Uh, fair play to Shane Kelly. Uh, stepped forward and, and uh, gave her a total insight into the game and, and how it went for them. But... Um, yeah, so seemingly the rumour is is that he, he, he's not going to go, but that's only a rumour, so he could well be there. The, the rumour mill is a great thing when it comes to the managerial merry-go-round, but mm. one club that are, that, are, that are the latest club to be looking for a manager is Trim, with uh, Kevin Riley mm. deciding to, to step down as Trim manager. It's a, a huge blow to the club. Um, done so much to bring them from intermediate, out of intermediate, and to a senior quarter-final this year. Um, just it's a, a huge blow and, and he's leaving huge boots to be filled there yes yeah so certainly a, a number of players seem to have um, uh, shone in that Retoat match and Trim will be looking for a new manager so they, and so, so could Retoat yeah. but um, you know Aidan Young as I said there he's the manager of Castletown and he they, they had a couple of very good players that performed in their match you know Rian McConnell did very well in midfield I thought and Damien Ginnity and Darren Finney were all very good and Declan Cribben he's a fine young player um, he, he'd be one of those players that uh, Colin O'Rourke might well call into his yeah, squad and, and Declan Cribben which is it's funny because none of the Dunshockland players played in the regional championship but Declan Cribben actually played in the regional championship on Tuesday night uh, for on Tushkart I think um, he played on Tuesday night and then played for his club Castletown on Saturday um, the regional championships Jimmy you were at the final yeah uh, I, I was at two of us were at the semi-finals last Tuesday night uh, and then you were at the final Boyne Valley against Tara yeah so some of them Dunshockland players did maybe not in the not the first the, team not players not the first though. team players yeah and uh, Owen O'Connor like he was one of those players who, sh- who did very well yeah. uh, throughout the campaign for Tara he plays for Tara and of course and uh, Tommy Kinza was good as well Owen O'Connor went off yesterday yes the regional cup final historic occasion Fergal in, Dun- in Ashburn between uh, Boyne Valley and Tara and uh, turned out to be a you know I think that's 11 to Boyne Valley 7 points yeah, to Tara was, so Boyne Valley are, commanding, the, are the first regional yes and, and they deservedly won James O'Hare got a goal there just before half time that was a real killer blow to Tara and uh, Con, Con Smith then got another goal then in the second half class player that Con Smith yeah he's a, one that's really for me has put his hand up from these regionals there's been a few boys now put their hands up a, a few really from Beckett pr- Donna Garvey there yeah, another uh, excellent footballer yeah so uh, Keith Curtis goes right Kenny he, he got uh, six points there yesterday Martin Mulhall played well back to Beckett player as well so you know Conor Morocco was at the match there to, yesterday of course and I'm sure he's been tracking these players throughout this is uh, it a worthwhile worthwhile competition Jimmy the region you've been to a good few games yes I have but I, I think they'll have to, to make to tweak it a, a couple of ways Fergal they'll have to find a better time of the year for you know and we were playing in, in Dungani there in the wind and rain some evenings uh, it wasn't ideal also no no scoreboard say you, you, we need scoreboard for these matches because people are paying into these games so 
we, you know, I'm sure you were the same, but every people was like, what score is it? What score is it? What score is it? People were, I had no problem telling them, uh, keeping them up to date yeah. as much as possible. But, you know, down people at the other end of the pitch or whatever, they had no way of knowing. But that wasn't the case in, in Ashburn for the That final. wasn't the case. No, no. No, of course not. Ashburn had everything in place for this game. And yeah. there was a good crowd there. Maybe, uh, I expected maybe a bit more. But of course, it was a bitterly cold afternoon. But uh, definitely, and I was talking to Cahill Brick uh, afterwards, the uh, Boyne Valley manager. And Cahill certainly feels that there's, there's a future for it. He was delighted. You might, I know Jerry Robinson, the Tara manager, is the same, feels the same as well. Certainly a future for this competition, Fergal. Yeah. Yeah, good, good to see it. Yeah. And uh, the finalists for the two uh, main under-20, under-21 football and hurling competitions have mm. been confirmed. Uh, Trim have advanced to the final of both, actually. Trim in the final of the under-21 hurling where they'll play uh, Killine Longwood, although I'm not too sure how many Longwood players are involved in that Killine team. Uh, so it's a super... Uh, effort from Killine to get to the final of an under 21 they'll face Trim in the final of that uh, and Trim as well in the under 20 football championship final for the first time uh, ever I think in the club's history and they'll play Dunhamore Ashburn yeah. uh, in the final of that so, so I reckon both those there. Both those finals are due to be played not this weekend, coming the following weekend. And of course, Trim Hurlers have a big match this weekend. Trim Hurlers, massive game this Tullamore. weekend where they take on Tullamore in, in Partholchen on Saturday for a place in the Leinster Intermediate Club final. So, a lot happening, folks, out there, you know, and uh, going to be another busy... Not to mention the five primary schools finals, Jimmy. Yes, fair good, yeah, go ahead. You, you, you have mentioned them a few times, yes. So tell us what, just, what, just, what, who did you see they are playing? We'll just run down through the uh, the scorelines. I think in the five games, there was 33 or 34 goals nice. in the five games. So the first game saw Skullone Bosch uh, from Nobber uh, defeated St. Finian's Clenard 9-8 to 1-3. That was in the boys' Division 4-5 Shield final. In the girls' Division 2 final, we had a treat to an absolute thriller, a classic game. Kilmessen came from behind to beat Kentstown 2-8 to 3-4. Uh, the boys division one shield final was a real high quality affair as well an outstanding display from from young Joe Kearney their son and Ned Kearney's of course uh, as St Oliver Plunkett's Navin uh, 4-12 Gale Skull Tullin and Oak from Dunboyne 4-5 the boys division five final went to Castletown 5-3 to kill National School from Ratmaline 1-5 and the last game on the card was uh, the girls division one final St Paul's from Ratote 3-4 and uh, there was to be no double for Oliver Plunkett's who only managed 1-2 in that game but another day uh, of five thrilling finals that's 10 down 5 to go next Sunday last five of the coming months ago and mm. uh, another eight paid supplement in this week's Chronicle Jimmy covering the Meat Primary Schools finals Good work there Fergal yes you were covering all those and uh, so keep an eye out for that folks yeah, uh, look, we, we and have, the, we the have, stars of tomorrow in action you know so we have the results from the, the Meat Cross Country Athletics Championships two pages on that in this week's mm. paper we'll also five winners across the card yesterday for Gordon Elliott he's flying the season started for him uh, in the horse race in front so as we said success great to see uh, Evan Ferguson, Jim McGrath, Gordon mm. Elliott, uh, Dunshocklin, Castletown, Boyne Valley, uh, Laura Buckley, Owen Smith in athletics. Uh, it's just been uh, the, our six glorious all stars. 
just been a phenomenal week again for for Mead Sport and uh, we cover it all here Jimmy in the Mead Chronicle absolutely Fergal and so folks it's out there in the Mead Chronicle on Tuesday so listen Fergal thanks very much for all your insight and your uh, views on these uh, all stars and uh, the ladies all stars and so thanks. on and other issues that uh, off to watch Ing versus IRA now Jimmy <laughs> yeah, well yes we'll <laughs> see how that goes ok Fergal so t- uh, folks thanks for listening and uh, we wish you all a good sporting week from here we are all here at the top of a good game. Say hi.